Welcome back to the Papa Shrill Knows Podcast. We are back to talk again about Arrowhead as the Chiefs finally unveiled kind of their plans and ideas of what they're going to do with the stadium once the Royals move out and move downtown, as well as the offseason has officially begun with Kansas City Chiefs making some moves and announcements today. And uh, obviously some interesting ones, um, ones that I think everybody saw coming to kick off free agency. So we'll see where the Chiefs kind of maneuver to move ahead in the in the offseason. Um, but again, welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. And anyone else that uh, is listening to this podcast, welcome you in. Um, hit, smash that like button, hit the subscribe. Obviously, we're available on uh, wherever you find your favorite podcast uh, apple podcast spotify as well as youtube um go check those out you can follow me on my socials on uh, twitter pop underscore shro as well as uh, tiktok and instagram as well take out the uh underscore just papa shro knows on instagram other than that papa underscore shro on twitter as well as tiktok and so just to get right into it um obviously the plans were released for the Kansas City Chiefs and what they kind of plan to do with the uh, Truman Sports Complex once the Royals kind of move out of there and kind of uh, a lot of what I kind of thought and predicted of you know they're planning for a a stage looked like a bit of a a football field essentially like a little small football field in front of a stage out there Um, some other plans some suites down on the field which you see a lot of NFL teams or NFL stadiums do now. SoFi Stadium, I know, has some as well as uh, in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium as well. They have those suites kind of in the end zone right there on the field. And uh, that was one of the renderings kind of showing some suites, obviously, you know, for your uh, big buck fans that are going to come in there and spend a lot of money to get down on the field. But I do like the idea of it and the aesthetic. I mean, it just looks nice. Um I've seen a lot of people, local people, already complaining about it in Kansas City and the the money being spent and all that good stuff. But I think that just comes with the territory, and especially with Kansas City, you know, becoming, you know, a, a bigger city and you know more people, you know, obviously a big influx of people into Kansas City as well as the the winning, you know, the Chiefs are winning. The Chiefs are winning a lot, <laughs> you know, back to back world champions. They've been on this stage now for a few years. And as well as the World Cup coming in 2026, that's going to be huge for um, Arrowhead as I think it was, I want to say four, it was either four or six games are planned for Arrowhead Stadium for the 2026 World Cup, which is huge for the city just in general. And I think that uh, these plans are, are going to be awesome. I think that it's going to make for a, uh, a better environment on game day, a great environment on game day out uh, at the stadium there's other roads they're going to build leading up and obviously if you get stuck in traffic out there at Arrowhead you know what I'm talking about you know if you don't get there early you are going to be jam-packed in traffic for a while there's only you know a handful of ways to get into the complex so I I think it's going to make for a better experience just all around for game day whether it's traffic um, just the environment Again, I kind of talked in the last podcast about the Ford Tailgate District and kind of building something up now to go hand-in-hand hand with that I think will be great to see. I'm kind of going back to the pictures. I'm going to 
look exactly at uh, some of these renderings. Yeah, I think it just makes for a, there, there's a bigger walkway to kind of get from. You know, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily park in the stadium um, and kind of come from all over and, and walk up there. So there's a walkway that that's going to go over um, the booths that let cars, cars into the stadium parking to get to and from uh, Arrowhead, which I think is awesome to see. And, and again, you know, the, the Chiefs being on this stage of, again, another Thursday night game will come to Kansas City to open up the season. And, you know, if you get those games again, I mean, you have this huge stage that they're going to build with, a, again, a, a football field, kind of have some fun on, maybe throw a football around on the field or, you know, just – to be there, I mean, you know, the aesthetic of it, essentially. There's going to be a big stage. You know, you could have your um, NFL, CBS, uh, NFL Today crew um, or, you know, any kind of pregame, postgame type thing. And, you know, people love that. People love to uh, interact with that. And, and I think that a lot of people like to see, you know, get close to that environment. I, I think a lot of times you see where, you know, they do it on the field and people kind of flock to that section and try to, whether it's get on camera or, you know, anything like that. Or, you know, even the way that Amazon has produced um, the Thursday night football games in general. You know, not just that opening game, but the, the Thursday night games in general where the crew is there. You know, they kind of have multiple setups. So to, you know, have that available out there outside of the stadium as well, I think is, is a very good move. Um, other than that, I think I pretty much hit on – just about everything they kind of proposed. Um, there's going to be an upper concourse canopy, which that's still on the same side, so I don't know exactly what, you know, because it's already, you know, if you go upstairs on the side with the press boxes, you can go right underneath the press boxes, and there's concessions there and stuff, so I'm not exactly sure what that entails. A VIP entry, new video boards, so I'm assuming just upgrades to the video boards, which, you know, they just did upgrade that. So I don't know, you know, what a um, what a big difference that'll make um, with the video boards. A VIP entry and canopy coming from the activation zone, which is the going to be the area I was talking about kind of with a stage and a football field. Um, that's what they're going to call it is the activation zone. Um, a rideshare zone as well, which is going to be awesome, I think, for people that, again, Uber or Lyft into the game or into the stadium because that's kind of a mess right now, essentially. You know, to have a dedicated area for that will make that a lot easier. And I think a lot of these things are going to be huge on game day for traffic, essentially. I mean, obviously, when you're gathering 70,000, 80,000 people in one area, it's not going to be easy to get traffic in or out. Um, and, and this place, you know, I don't think Arrowhead was necessarily set up in a great way for that in the first place. So to just alleviate that is going to be awesome. I mean, you know, when we go to games, we hang out until they kick us out just because, and traffic still isn't great then. You know, you hang out at the stadium an hour after the game and, you know, you expect everybody to be gone afterwards, but, you know, it's still hit and miss. You know, you still hit traffic again. You got 70, 80,000 people trying to get out of the same place at the same time. It's never going to be easy. Um, so to alleviate that a little bit, I think 
I think it's funny if people complaining about it, honestly, because it's only going to make it better. It's going to make a better experience. So, I mean, you know, I guess if you're complaining about it because you don't care or you don't want to go to a Chiefs game, you know, you, everybody's got their opinion. But at the end of the day, this is going to make this better for the city in general. Um, it's going to make it better for the people that are going to the game um, and a game day experience. It's going to make it better for the World Cup when it comes in 2026, which – you know, that's just two years away, so I don't know how much of this you get done before that. Um, obviously, probably start on it as quick as possible because you obviously can't tear down um, Kaufman until you build the stadium downtown, and obviously that's got to get voted on first. And this will have to get voted on as well. It'll be two separate things that you're going to vote on, but you're going to have to get it passed first. You're going to have to then build the stadium, then tear down Kaufman to then be able to put the construction up to build this so I don't know if two years is realistic to see the outcome for the World Cup but we'll see and we'll see what they get done you know maybe things like the video boards and you know little things like that or maybe working on the the roadways you know in and out of Arrowhead and things like that maybe the bridge maybe the bridge coming from out of the stadium into the the stadium area into the complex maybe you can get that done by then we'll see Um, but I think it's uh, amazing I you know uh, like I said, I can't wait for the Royals to move. I can't wait for the Royals to go downtown. You know, let us have this area for the Chiefs. You know, this is this is going to be an awesome, you know, just I think it's going to be awesome for the game day experience, essentially. So moving on from that, l- let me know what you think, too, um, whether you're a Chiefs fan or not. Let me know what you think um, about the, the renovations, what you think it's going to bring to the game day experience, and if you like it or you hate it. Um, so moving on, the offseason has begun. The offseason has officially begun. The Kansas City Chiefs announced this morning, as of the time that I'm recording, MVS will be cut. And I don't know if that's like I don't know if that's right now or if that starts at the league uh, calendar. Obviously, June one. If he'll be cut then, um, pre or post June one. So we'll see. Because um, I haven't read, I haven't dove deep into that. Obviously, it was just announced this morning that MVS is uh, going to be released officially. I think everybody saw that coming. I think that was pretty much a no-brainer. You saved $12 million on the cap, and MVS was was what he was. You know, shout-out to MVS for the amazing playoff performance he gave the Kansas City Chiefs, but, you know, for 17 games, MVS was a liability on the field. Um, he definitely stepped up big time in the playoffs, and he underplayed. You know, I, I don't think any of us in the kingdom really enjoyed how he went about the drops, you know, when he was asked about it in the locker room and that whole clip that was put out um, where he basically was like, I don't know what you're talking about, essentially, which was just mind-blowing because it's like you just dropped a game winner against the Eagles. You know, I think that was like a week or two before that. You just dropped a game winner. You know, you, you've dropped all of these these passes throughout the year that are, you know, huge moments. And I think that, you know, the drops wouldn't have even been that big of a deal if it wasn't for, you know, obviously uh, under a microscope when you're in that situation where you're about to win a game. You you could have won the game off of that. I think the Green Bay game, there was another drop at Green Bay. And, and Kadarius Tony same thing. You know, you, you kind of put the microscope on it because if Kadarius Tony doesn't toss up a, you know, ball that hits him in the hands to a Lions defender to run it for a touchdown – and a pick six, the Chiefs win that game. The Chiefs win week one without Kadarius Toney on the field. Um, 
not to get too much into the the Tony, and we'll see what happens with him because I'm not 100% sold that he'll be back next year either. But MVS, I think, was a no-brainer cut. It's $12 million on the cap that you're saving. And for a guy that was a liability most of the year, I don't think that MVS fits very well into the system, and the system really passed him by throughout the year. Rasheed Rice really grew into his role, and I don't think that MVS was a you know needed piece on the offense. You still have Sky Moore, which we'll see, you know, how, how that goes. At the, at the moment that I'm recording this, Kadarius Tony is still part of this roster. You have Rasheed Rice, obviously. You're probably going to draft somebody. Could go out. Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation on who the Chiefs could go out and get. Mike Evans is out there. Um, T. Higgins was obviously a franchise tag by the Bengals. So we'll see how that kind of goes. Probably not going to be able to get him in a trade with the Bengals. So we'll see. We'll see how the receiving core shapes up in the offseason. Obviously, last year was kind of disappointing throughout the offseason, was kind of you know very questionable about how the Chiefs went about um, piecing this receiving core together. I think they'll do a better job this year. I think they learned the lesson, and I think cutting MVS kind of shows that, say, okay, we need to move on and let's figure something else out. So I think it's a great move, and again – You know, I I saw a lot of back and forth because I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of it. You know, I appreciate what MVS did in the playoffs, but he's it was a no brainer to cut him. And I saw a lot of people saying either one that you know, oh that's cold after the performance he just gave the Chiefs in the playoffs, and and they cut him just like that. And then I saw the other side of where literally someone posted the picture of him dropping the ball or the video of him dropping the ball against the Eagles. It was like he should have been cut right after that. Very extreme. <laughs> Way too extreme. I don't think the MVS should have been cut at any point in the middle of the season. Um, and, and the biggest thing of that is, like, who, who the hell would you go to anyways after that? I think when people get on these tirades of, you know, it's week 13 and let's cut this guy and this guy's got to go, like, what you you can't just do that really I mean that's just not plausible to do in the middle of an NFL season I don't think and especially with Andy's system and we've seen all these receivers have trouble you know kind of adapting to his system and learning his system and they bring guys along you know slowly especially the young guys so we'll see how it goes I'm I'm very optimistic with the Chiefs receiving core going into 2024 Obviously, we're right here at the beginning of the offseason, so we don't know exactly how that's going to go. Um, I think uh, McCole Hardman's free agent. I didn't read Justin Watson, when I, I, but I don't think he's under contract for 2024. I'm pretty sure he's not. He, he was a one-year deal. Not 100% sure on that. I'll do some more um, digging into that. I might do that right now while we're uh, recording here just to see where he is at on his contract. Um, the other big news, though, Legereus Sneed will be uh, franchise tagged. And I think that was another one kind of obvious. Okay, Justin Watson does have one more year on the deal. And it looks like his cap number is going to be right under $3 million at 2.9 next year. So Justin Watson is under contract for 2024. Okay, I, I didn't read his name, but I did think he was a contract, but he is not uh, He's not a free agent. Justin Watson will be back with the Chiefs next season as of right now. If they were to cut him, 
pre-June 1, it'd be 2.7 on the cap they'd save, and it'd be the same post-June 1. Look up uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling as well. Um, but going back to Legere Sneed, I think this was another obvious one. They were going to franchise tag him. And I didn't think that they would go with the franchise tag on Chris Jones just because they did that last year. We got to the season. Week one, of course, he was sitting up in the booth, wasn't playing, came back in week two. So, you know, that was a whole mess, obviously. But um, I've also seen reports where, you know, they think that possibly he would, um, you know, the agents would um, – not make the the same mistakes as last year. You know, we'll see where he goes and what he gets um, money-wise and how many years is going to be on that contract because, again, you know, Chris Jones is getting up there in age, whereas LeJarrius Sneed is – this is his first deal. And they are going to look to make a long-term deal with LeJarrius Sneed. If something doesn't work out, though, they are putting him out there on the market. They, they straight up said they are looking to trade him if they don't get a deal done. And I think that opens up a huge opportunity for Snead because, first of all, next year, Snead right now is right over $19 million, I think, is what the tag is. $19.8 million, so right under $20 million will be the hit for the Chiefs if he goes and plays under the tag. I don't. I think it's pretty obvious they're not going to have him play under the tag. So that's kind of hearsay right now. Um, just because they're they're gonna trade him if if they don't uh, get a deal done, and this is where th- this one becomes a little bit interesting to me personally, just because where is Snead's real valuation, right? I think um, that is very tough to say because I don't know how the league views him, because you look at all year long, you know, Snead wasn't a Pro Bowl, Snead wasn't an All Pro. He was the best corner in the league, obviously, I mean, by far. And, I mean, I know I'm biased personally as a Chiefs fan and, you know, covering the Chiefs, but he was the best corner in the league by far. Look what number one receivers did against LeJerry Sneed last year. Absolutely nothing is what they did <laughs> against Sneed. He allowed one touchdown that came in the playoffs. One touchdown. I mean, I can't stress enough how good LeJerry Sneed was last year. But I think a lot of people think it was the system. It was, you know, Spags. It was, you know, Trent McDuffie is obviously seen, I think, by the league as a better corner than LeJarrius Sneed personally just because McDuffie wasn't all pro. But Sneed played better. So where is his, you know, what's the money going to be on LeJarrius Sneed? Where are you going, you know, what what kind of money is he going to get around the league? What are you going to get in return in a trade if you go to trade him? Um... I think that's a very interesting kind of thing, and we'll see what what happens with it as this unfolds. You know, obviously it just came out that they're going to, you know, all this news about um, putting him under the the tag and also, you know, working out a trade with somebody possibly um, if they can't get a long-term deal done. So, I don't know. I think the the Legere Sneed thing is uh, definitely – an interesting one. I'm going to look up uh, cornerbacks right now because I was kind of looking at this yesterday of APY. So you got Jair Alexander, $21 million a year. Denzel Ward, 20.1. Jalen Ramsey, uh, $20 million flat APY. 
Um, Snead would be obviously the 19.8, which makes him the fourth highest paid DB in the league if he plays on the tag. Marlon Humphrey, 19.5. Marshawn Lattimore, 19.4. Trayvon Diggs, 19.4. Um, Tredavious White, 17.25. 16.5 for J.C. Jackson. So where does Snead fit? And for point of reference, to look at another corner from the Chiefs that moved on, Javarius Ward, APY, 13.5. So where does that put Legarius Sneed in the mix? Because personally, I think he's a high-end corner. I don't know if the Chiefs could pay him that kind of money, but is anyone else willing to pay him that kind of money? That's the real question. Is if he's traded, you know, some type of sign-and-trade or something like that, one, what are you going to get in return? But two, what are what are other teams going to be willing to pay him? And I think with Sneed... You know, we'll see. Obviously, I think, you know, the Chiefs are going for a three-peat. I, I would assume Snead would love to be a part of that if he can, if the money's right, um, dependent on if he goes somewhere else or, or anything like that. But we'll see how this unfolds. Personally, I think Snead is probably somewhere in that $15 million APY range. But do other teams value him at that? Or, or, or I think that's kind of where... Other teams will probably kind of put that valuation on him, maybe 15 to 17, somewhere in that range. But, I mean, I think personally, if I was Snead's agent, I would be going and saying, look, this is the best corner in the league. You know, you're going to pay this guy, you know, 19, 20 million APY, and that's just what it's going to be. So we'll see how it shapes out. I'm very interested to see how this shapes out. So the last thing I wanted to get into, just because I thought it was really interesting um, and coming out uh, today, at least today is the first time I saw this. Um, McCall Hardman was on a podcast with Ryan Clark. Honestly, off the top of my head, I'm not sure what the podcast is. Forgive me for that. Um, but here's a quick quote from McCall Hardman uh, on the Jets. There's no standard there. Everybody does what they want to do. The offense is just like, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron's show. Let Aaron do what Aaron does. Then when Aaron goes down, it's like, we don't know what to do. This goes hand-in-hand with what Nathaniel Hackett did in Denver. I don't think, I mean, it obviously shows, and not to just kind of bash on the guy, but Nathaniel Hackett is not an NFL-level coach, I don't think. Or at least not a coordinator or a head coach. It obviously kind of shows that um, from what happened in Denver and what a mess that was and to what he did in Green Bay with Aaron and what he is doing in New York. It's Aaron's show. It's like, it reminds me of Adam Gase um, at the end of Peyton Manning's career where Peyton Manning ran that offense. Adam Gase got the credit for it and then got head coaching jobs for it afterwards, and we all got to see what level Adam Gase was. Adam Gase was a terrible NFL head coach. And Nathaniel Hackett is in the exact same situation where it's kind of just a a person to put in place to let your quarterback run the offense because you've got a guy that wants to do things his way, has been in the league forever now, and wants to run you know things how he wants to run it. So the other thing that kind of came from this, this uh, podcast was that McCole Hardman kind of Kind of slipped up and said a couple of weeks before he was traded, he talked to Mahomes and Veach, said, get me out of here. You know, let me come back home, basically. And I don't know. 
the official tampering rules or anything, but obviously that doesn't seem like a, a good look, right, for anybody. And, I mean, if McColl was reaching out, I mean, you know, that's one thing. It would be another thing if the Chiefs were going and reaching out to McColl saying, hey, um, you know, let's – Let's let's uh, try to find a deal, you know, and, and get you back into Kansas City. The thing that I think is uh, interesting about this that, you know, because McColl then came out and said he never contacted the Chiefs after this. You know, he, he made a tweet about it and said, uh, you know, that he never reached out to the Chiefs. Well, I think it was week four. Week four, the Chiefs traveled to New York, and McColl Hardman was with the Jets at the time. I wouldn't doubt to be on the, you know, maybe on the field he said something like that. Maybe on the field he said, hey, give me back Kansas City, you know, in passing or something like that. I'm assuming that's kind of where that came from. I, I'm I'm assuming that he didn't directly reach out to Mahomes or Veach. But, I mean, that could absolutely easily have happened on the field at the time. Like, you know, I'm not happy here. Bring me back, you know, as a joke or, you know, whatever. Obviously, it put in the minds of you know the Chiefs. They went they went back out and got him, you know, and and he ends up making this catch to win the Super Bowl, and as a hero, and in Kansas City, which again that's another one. We'll see if he ends up coming back to Kansas City next year or not. I don't know if there's really a place. I don't know. You know, McCall Hordman's a pretty good receiver. I think. You know, he has his ups and downs, just like anybody else. I mean, I don't think he's an elite level or you know top tier guy, but he is a good fit for the scheme that Andy Reid runs, and he's a good enough receiver, I think, to keep in the mix of what he does. I mean, he made a couple of mistakes and maybe, you know, overcompensating for leaving and then coming back and trying to be a hero, obviously, in the Buffalo game and ends up coming back and making the catch. I think he's a, a you know, a compatible starter in in the Chiefs' offense. I, I think that he could be – a you know good enough piece to keep around and you know be able to maneuver in the offense so I, I, I I'm not opposed to seeing McCole Hardman obviously depending on the money and where you're going to spread your money out for the Chiefs but I'm not against McCole Hardman coming back so but either way I wanted to get back on the podcast real quick and throw something back out about you know we just talked about uh, I just talked about the the Arrowhead situation and what's going on with the Truman Sports Complex obviously the Chiefs came out today and you know had planned to release you know, some type of statement. They also released some renderings, so check those out. And, you know, I'm going to put them in on the YouTube channel if uh, you're watching this on YouTube so you'll be able to see kind of what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, with the news of MVS, the franchise tag, obviously the combine going on, you know, there's a lot. Every You know, all the teams are there, a lot of interviews. Um, I'll probably get into at some point down the line in the next week into kind of what Clark said about the scorecards and stuff. I thought it was funny. I guess I'll just jump into that real quick uh, to end this. But um, I thought it was funny because the locker rooms were one of the things that came up on the report card of the Chiefs having one of the worst locker rooms in the league. And, you know, Clark kind of jokingly said, I don't know what locker room they're talking about because they just renovated it in 2021. And the locker room is amazing. You know, if you haven't seen it, I mean, their locker room is phenomenal. So, Obviously, you have a lot of these new stadiums in the league, and we're talking about stadiums built in the 60s, so 
you know, I get it. It's not up to the same standard that Allegiant Stadium or SoFi Stadium or, you know, some of these brand new stadiums have and, and have built. And obviously the Bills are getting ready to build a new stadium in New York and what, you know, level that will be on. But I think the Chiefs do a good job of maintaining. But uh, they are ranked 31st in their facilities. Uh, Clark mentioned the practice facility and mentioned about renovating it as well which I think would be a good idea because they – I can't remember how old exactly they said, maybe like 20 years, and they haven't done anything with it since. So obviously probably need to upgrade that and work on that. And, again, as I said, the influx of money, you know, on the, the last episode, um, the influx of money with that comes with winning Super Bowls and championships and, you know, having deep playoff runs and having these – you know, you got the face of the league at quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. There's, there's really no arguing or debating it. Um, that is the best quarterback, the premier position in the league, and the best player at that position. So, you know, there's a lot that comes with that and a lot of money, and having the best head coach in the NFL doesn't hurt either. Um, and having guys like Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones around, um, and, you know, obviously Taylor Swift's involvement with the Kansas City Chiefs this year, you know, brings a lot of extra eyes and attention and, you know, merchandise sales and all all of these things. So, um, we'll see where it goes, but uh, let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about the renovations that are going to go on at Arrowhead uh, over the next few years and, you know, the plans. Let me know what you think about the LeJerry Sneed situation. Where, where do you think he sits at APY? Where where do you think the Chiefs should be trying to get LeJerry Sneed to and, and what's a, a good number, you know, to kind of put him at? And obviously Chris Jones, are, are, you, are you willing to overpay for Chris Jones? to stay in Kansas City at the end of his career and, and finish it up here and go for the three-peat, I, you know, let me hear your thoughts. So, again, comment, like, smash the subscribe button over on YouTube. Um, you know, down below on Spotify, you can comment as well. Leave your comments and thoughts. Let me know what you think. And, uh, you know, I can also share those on the podcast if uh, you share your thoughts and opinions with me. So, um, again, go smash that like button, subscribe. Um, over on the socials, of course, Papa underscore Shro over on Twitter and uh, TikTok. Papa Shro knows on Instagram. Hit those up, um, and uh, we will be back next time. See you again.